Awesome. Well, good morning. Wow. Worship team, can we give our appreciation to the worship team? So awesome. So awesome. Love that song about creation. Today, we are starting a brand new series called In the Beginning. And we are simply diving in to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. We're believing God for fresh revelation, fresh insight on our beginnings. And we believe that as we do, we're going to have a greater understanding of who God is, who we are in relationship to him, our identity, and the plans that he has for us. And man, I can't... um, overemphasize how excited so much expectancy Eric and I both have coming into this series. Today we're going to just camp out in Genesis 1 and just soak in it and just really take a deep dive in Genesis 1. At the end of the month, Pastor Eric will take a Sunday and do a study on man, Take a, do a study on Adam. At the end of the month, I'll have a different Sunday, do a study on women, talk about Eve. Next Sunday is Mother's Day, though. And so we're going to have a standalone Mother's Day message that will really be a blessing and encouraging to both men and women, all ages, all seasons of life. Um, But even the Mother's Day message is going to have in the beginning themes as well. And so, man, we're just so excited to dive into this topic this morning. Man, I want to encourage you, when we come to church, let's bring our Bibles. Let's bring a notepad to take notes or take notes on your phone. We believe that God has a, a, a word for all of us collectively, but that the Holy Spirit customizes it for each and every one of us. And sometimes people will come up and be like, man, what you said about X, Y, and Z, man, that was for me. How'd you know? And it's like, that wasn't even in my notes. I don't even remember saying that, but I think the Holy Spirit said that to you specifically. Specifically, and he does that. And so as we take notes and as it helps us remember what God is saying, and every Sunday morning there's nuggets of truth and revelation that's being shared from the word. And that includes this Sunday. There's a lot to be shared. And I'm believing that you guys will capture what God has for you this morning. But I do truly believe from the bottom of my heart that the main thing, like if we are all to walk away with one thing this morning, if there's one thing rolling around in our heart and our mind this morning after our time together, I believe God wants us to remember or to maybe have revelation of for the first time that we are created beings. We are created beings. We were made. We were formed. We were created. And we have a creator. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you are our creator and we are your created ones. And Holy Spirit, we just ask for your help this morning. Lord, we ask for wisdom and revelation, light bulb moments. As we study your word, Lord, I believe that you have a specific word for each and every one of us this morning. So God, I thank you for enlightening that to making it so clear, taking fuzzy glasses off and giving us 4D vision on what you're saying to us individually this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So do we have any creators in the house? Anybody here like to create, like to design, like to build, like to architect or draw architecture drawings? I think we all do in some form or some way. We like to build, we like to make, we like to create, whether it's a scrapbook or whether it's a deck or whether it's a new idea or a new business. We like to dream, we like to imagine, we like to create. 
And when we make something, we put our heart and our, and our soul into it, right? We care for it. We're proud of it. We love the things that we make when we do it with all of our heart. And I'll never forget being a first-time mom when Ella was in preschool. Every day she'd come home for preschool with five, at least five masterpieces on paper. And I remember as any new parent or especially a new mom, the first time you see your kid draw a stick figure that resembles something of a human, you're like, oh my gosh, you're a genius. This is amazing. This is a masterpiece. Like surely they're ahead of their league. Like surely the other kids aren't making stick figures like this. And so I remember I loved every single one of her masterpieces and we kept all of them. I was like, I don't know which ones to keep or throw away. Like they're all masterpieces. So I kept all of them. And I put them in a bin, and, and by the end of the year, the bin was overflowing, <clears throat> and I took it into our living room, and I'm like, okay, i got to let go of some of these. So I spilled it out all over the living room floor, and it covered the whole living room floor. <clears throat> and I remember being like, I, I can't throw away any of them. They're all amazing. Like, seriously perplexed by it. And so I took a picture of it, and I remember posting it on social media, like, moms, what do you do? Like, how do you organize your kids' artwork and like numerous um, experienced mothers were like, pick the two or three best, and then in all caps, throw the rest away. But I couldn't, it, 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 I couldn't process that, like I wasn't there yet. So I found a digital app that you could take pictures and digitally archive your kids' masterpieces, so I committed to it. And I spent the whole day doing it for Ella, and that was the first and the last year that we did that. <laughs> Seven years later and three kids later, we keep the best couple ones every year, and we still have a memory box. But they're masterpieces, because when we create something, we put our heart and our soul into it, and we love it. We are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece. He loves us. He cares for you. He loves you. You are his handiwork. We are created beings. So normally we have messages with like two or three points. This morning I've got eight mini points, okay? It's going to be the same length as normal, but we're going to just go through it a little bit faster. <clears throat> so we're going to dive into Genesis um, 1, verse 1 through 4 first. And I know many of us have read this scripture before, but I'm just asking, let's approach this scripture with fresh eyes this morning, believing to gain fresh revelation and fresh, fresh insight for each and every one of us. So we're going to read it a little bit slower. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created we see the first trait that God is given in the Bible is that he is a creator. There's a lot of different ways that God could be introduced on the first page, first chapter, first line of scripture. God is referred to as the creator. The first trait that he is given, the first glimpse into his personality that we're given is that he created. Don't you love that? How many of you guys know creative people in your life? Like, they're fun, they're imaginative. I love that that represents the God that we serve. We're made in his image, too, and so that those parts of us are from his image that we bear. We'll talk more about this in a minute. It goes on to Genesis 1-2 and says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We'll come back and talk more about this in a minute, too. 
Then God said, this is the second thing that we see God doing. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is super significant. The way God creates is by speaking. We'll loop back around with this in a little bit too. Genesis 1, 4 through 5. And God saw the light. He saw that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called. We see another thing that God's doing. He's giving names. Um, he's declaring things over things. He called the light day. He gave it a name. And he called the darkness night. And so there was evening and morning. And it was the first day. So he saw what he made. It was good. He called it something. He gives his creation's name. I want to pull out just four things this morning real quick of what we can learn about God just from these four verses. There's this principle in, in Bible study um, hermeneutics called the principle of first mention where you want to pay attention. The first time a topic or a word is mentioned in scripture, you just want to bend your ear a little bit more because it seems there seems to be this pattern in scripture that you gain um, insight into the original meaning, into the essential value of that topic or that word <clears throat> the first time it's mentioned in scripture. So that's why there's so much that we can pull out of the book of Genesis, because God is laying the foundation. He's setting the stage for who he is and how we relate to him. So four things um, that we can learn about God from the beginning. Number one, God is a creator. He is the creator. Again, principle of first mention, the way that he is first defined is as a creator and us as his created. So that is principle to how we understand him and how re we relate to him. God, the creator, we, his created. We're made in his image, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And so our love for creating and pioneering and building and making comes from him because we're made in his image. We're going to talk about this first point a lot more throughout the whole morning. The second thing that we can learn through the whole chapter of Genesis um, 1 is that God puts things in order and in systems. We see verse 1 says that God created the heavens and the earth, but then verse 2 it says that the earth was without form and, and full of, and it was void and there was darkness. This is like a whole another series, a whole another thing for another day. But most Bible scholars believe that in the gap theory, which means there's a lot that happened between verse 1 and verse 2. God created the heavens and the earth, and we know everything he makes is good. And then all of a sudden we get to verse 2, and it says that, that the earth was full of darkness. Well, what happened? Most people believe, most Bible scholars believe, what we see in Revelation is that Satan was once an angel, Right? He led a rebellion against God and thought that he was better than God, and he got kicked out of heaven and sent to earth. He got sent to earth before Adam and Eve were there. So most Bible scholars believe that that event that we have record of in Revelation actually happened in between Genesis 1 and 2. So the whole rest of Genesis 1 is God cleaning up and bringing order to earth. God's a God of order, systems, patterns. You look at his creation. So, so what we see here is he brings order. He speaks and there's light. He speaks and there's separation between um, water and land. You look at creation. You look at the universe. You look at plants. You look at our body and the nervous system and the muscle system. God is a God of order and system and rhythms. 
We see the rhythm of Sabbath and rest that God created. We're going to talk about that more next week as we talk about delight for Mother's Day. So it's just good. As we're talking about this, I'm going to be sharing broad concepts about God, but it, imp- it impacts our life. If God's a God of order, then things that are disorderly in my life are not from him. If God's a God of rhythm, then where are the rhythms in my life, right? I was preparing for this message, and the whole church building looks beautiful except Eric and I's office. God is a God of order. The next day I came in and I started putting boxes away. (laughs) We're getting there. Um, God is a God of order and systems, just things to ponder. What does that mean for our life? Number three thing that we can see, learn about God from these first couple of verses is that God is a speaking God. His word creates things. 16 times in Genesis 1, we see the phrase, God said, or God called, or some kind of phrase referring to God speaking. God's unseen word created everything that is seen, and that's still the way God operates. We call the Bible the word of God because it is. And scripture says that the word of God is living and active, is sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God is still active and still creating. And that's why when we read the word of God, things change in our life because God creates and rebirths in our life. He heals and leads and directs from speaking. We serve a God that's alive, and um, one of our mentors from afar, um, Pastor Chris Hodges, often says, "If, if you're loving the Lord and you're pursuing him and you haven't heard from him over the course of a couple of days, then you're drawing further away from him than closer to him, because if you're drawing close to God, he's going to be speaking, because we serve a speaking God. You're going to open up your Bible in the morning, and something's just going to pop off the page at you. Scripture coming alive to you. You're going to be praying about something and you're going to hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart because we serve a speaking God. He talks to us and his words are powerful. They create. Hebrews 11.3, I don't have it for the screen, says that the worlds are framed by the word of God. God framed the world with the word. And what's so interesting is, so um, day One, two, and three, when God created light and the sky and the earth and the planets, God spoke in it, came into existence, and then he named it. But then after day three, he stopped naming things. And we'll zoom into this. I don't want to steal too much of what Eric will talk about on week three when he talks about man. But God made us in his likeness and in his image. In Proverbs, I don't have it for the screen either, Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of our tongue. And our tongue is like the rudder of the ship of our life. And so then God delegates his authority and gives the power of words to us as well. And he gives Adam, he del- he's a good, he's not a micromanager, hello. He put us in charge of his creation. And he delegates the authority of declaring and calling things to human. He says, hey, Adam, I want you to name the animals. I want you to name the plants. There's so much more there. Eric will talk about it more in week three. Um, Fourth thing that we can learn about God, just from these four scriptures, is that he's good. What God makes is good. Don't you love that? Over and over throughout the story of creation, God spoke, it was created, he called it something, and it was good. It is good. It is good. 
Genesis 1 teaches us that God is good and he only makes good things. We see that he is the one that determines what is good and what is not good. And so the story of creation goes on for another 20 verses, and it, it follows the same pattern. It, uh, you know, every new day starts with, and then God said. Goes into day four, the sun and moon and stars. Day five, fish and birds were created. Day six, humans. And for the rest of our time this morning, I want to zoom in to the account of the creation of humans that we see in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is like this really broad overstroke of God's creation. And then Genesis 2, which we'll talk about more at the end of the month, is a really zoom in to um, the creation of Adam and Eve. And then uh, chapter 3 is the fall. But these broad strokes, what we're going to read right now is a broad stroke, the first introduction to what happened when God created mankind. So let's read this again slowly, soak in it, sit in it a little bit, and then we'll talk about what we can learn about ourselves from in the beginning. So Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According, and man, the word man there is talking about mankind. Let's make humanity, not just um, the male gender. Let's make mankind in our image according to our likeness. You see the plural form of, you know, it's not in his image, it's in our image. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps. That's funny to me, creeping things that creep on earth. Verse 27, so God created man, humankind, in his own image. Goes on to describe what does that mean. In the image of God, he created him or them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. There's so much we can pull out of this, guys. We're going to talk about it for a little bit. Then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. All right, so what can we pull out of this? Four things we can learn about ourselves from what we see in the beginning. Number one, again, we're going to talk about this all morning. We are created by God. We are created by God. We are not our own. We did not create ourselves. We are created and we have a creator. We are people that have been made. And this simple awareness changes everything. And this is so foundational. Maybe it's basic or elementary, but too many of us are living as if this is not true. Because when we have the awareness that we are created beings, we are not our own, it should change every area of our life. We don't know more than our creator. We are the expression of his imagination. Does the painting say to the artist, you need to use this color instead of that color? Does the app Say to the one coding, you should have done it differently. Are we hearing beeping? <laughs> Answer it. Um, does the building consult with the architect on the design? No. 
The created is whatever the creator made it to be. I was an English major, so I love words. I love really soaking in words. And so here in Genesis it says, then God said, let us make man in our own image. And it goes on to say, so God created man in his own image. We see this same phrase with different words in other places throughout scripture. Jeremiah 1, 5, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139, 14, David says, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. God has made us. He has formed us. He has created us. He's made the world and everything in it, right? He told us what is good and what is bad. He is the source of truth. We don't decide what's good and evil. He does. He does give us, however, free will, which is amazing. You know that song we just sang? He didn't give the rivers free will, thank God. We'd be massive floods every now and then. If, if the river started rebelling, it'd be bad. He didn't give the mountains free will or the birds free will. I mean, I guess to a certain extent with their limited intellect. He gave us free will. We are his creation, but yet he gave us free will, free choice to agree with him or to disagree with him, to share our opinion with him or to not share our opinion with him, to serve him and love him and worship him or to reject him and hate him and boycott him. That is the greatest expression of love that God has given his creation. Not to make us robots. The fact that he wants relationship with his creation and gave them the opportunity to either buy into that relationship or not. This morning I feel so strongly like the Lord wants to lovingly remind us we are created beings. The only appropriate response of a created being is to submit under the loving leadership of the creator. And when we prepare, you know, when Eric and I prepare messages, we're always obviously asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want for your people? And as I was preparing to, you know, I was marinating on this message for many weeks, months. It's like, God, I could go so many places. There's so many themes in Genesis 1. And so before I put fingers to keyboard, said, Lord, what do you, what is the main theme you want your people to know? And sometimes it's, it's um, leading to a scripture. Sometimes it's a, a theme or a, or a, uh, a, um, a seems like a, it seems like he's leading a certain way. He made it so clear this week. He said, tell my people they are created beings. Tell my people they are created beings. We're going to keep talking about this theme all morning. The second thing that um, we can see throughout scripture is that male and female are an expression of God's image. This is so interesting and powerful to me. When we see in scripture, God said, let us make humankind in our own image. God is in community. God is in triunity. We had the father, God the father at creation doing the speaking. We had the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. Jesus was there too. And John 1, the Gospel of John, in the New Testament, John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, 
And the word was God and the word was with God. And it goes on to say that all things were created through him. And it goes on to say, and then the word became flesh. Jesus is the living word. Jesus was the word that God spoke that created. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit are saying, hey, let's make us, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, similar to us. And then he goes on to describe that part of that image is male and female, which that's like a whole nother conversation. We see that God the Father is used in a masculine tense and God the Son is used in a masculine tense. But there's theologians, you know, God is not a gender. Male, female is an expression of the image of God. But there does seem to be feminine characteristics in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. But what we're saying this morning is the image of God is embodied male and female. And I don't even know really what that means. But kind of like um, in the New Testament where... Um, where God says that marriage, the way a husband and wife are together, is the same way that Christ is with the church. We don't really understand what that means, but we understand there's something holy about this expression. There's something holy about the expression of male and female, and it's in somehow, in some way, it's an expression, it's an embodiment of the image of God. Wow! So this morning I'm simply teaching from the Bible. We are a church where all people can come as they are truly. No perfect people allowed because why? We're all a work in progress. One of our values also is though that the the Bible is our truth. When we're seeking truth, where do we go? We don't go to Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok. When we're looking for truth, we go to the Bible and we believe that the truth sets us free. We are intentionally not a politically charged church. If you're looking for a politically charged church, you're at the wrong church. We promote the kingdom of God and not a political party. We promote Jesus and not a political leader. We do not have agendas here other than to study the word of God together, follow after Jesus. Amen? And so I'm pausing here during, in this portion of scripture because this is an important truth to see. The image of God being expressed as male and female. Especially in an age where gender identity is a common conversation. Especially among the younger generation. Gender, male and female, is God's idea. Male and female is an expression of God's image. God is the creator, and he decided for two genders. He could have chose 10 genders or 20 genders. He could have chose as many genders as he wanted. But he chose two, male and female. And those two genders, he says, are an expression of his image. He chose the genders, the way that the genders would interact, and he chose what gender we would be. As the created ones, we have the opportunity to trust his goodness. We might not like how God made our personality. We might not like how God made our hair frizz in the humidity. 
We might not like the gifts that he gave us and we wish he gave us the gifts that so-and-so had. We might not like the gender that he gave us. But we have the opportunity to trust his goodness as our creator because we are the created ones. Amen. At the end of the day, he's the creator and we are created. He has given us free will to agree or disagree with him, which is wild. I wouldn't do that if I was him. It's made it messy. But he wanted relationship with us. Amen. He's, he's better than us, obviously. Number three, we are blessed by God. I love this. The first gesture that we see that God has towards humanity is that he blessed them. He could have had a lot of gestures, but his knee-jerk reaction, just like any parent to a child, is I just want to bless you. I just want to love on you. His first gesture was that he blessed them. And that's God's primary response and action towards us. You know, he, he's not, his, his theme and his posture, his tone this morning is not, I'm your creator, so worship me. His, his, he's just like, hey, like, like a parent to a child, like oftentimes in the Giso household, remember, we're the boss. Just remember, there's order and rank here. Not in a follow me master, but hey, there's order, and we gotta, we gotta recognize what the order is. But God's saying, I want to bless you. I know what's best for you. I want to love on you. My heart, my posture towards you is blessing. Amen. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Fourth thing that we can pull out, that we can, we can learn a lot about ourselves more than what I'm saying this morning, but something that I want to pull out is um, this ma- number four, male and female leadership team. The last thing I want to pull out is that God is speaking to both Adam and Eve in this passage of scripture, male and female. Just like God referred to himself as an us, plural, he's, respond, he's, he's talking to them, male and female. Genesis 126, God said, let them, male and female, together as a team, have dominion. God blessed them as a team, male and female. God said to them, he didn't just say to Adam, be fruitful. That wouldn't work, y'all. It's not, you know, sometimes we can, and especially as a female, this um, blesses me that God values male and female. His command of blessing, his command of dominion, his command of being multiply, multiplying and filling the earth, subduing it and have dominion. From the very beginning before sin entered the world, it was them, the male and the female both bring strength to the team that's supposed to lead over God's creation. So powerful. It's not like God said, Eve, just sit over here. I'm going to talk to Adam for a minute. All right, Adam, I want to bless you. Yeah, you too, but right? He didn't just pull Adam over and say, I want you to have dominion. And yeah, you too. We'll talk about the helper thing week four. He didn't just say to Adam, be fruitful. We know he can't do that on his own. Be fruitful, multiply. He said them, so powerful, so powerful. And when the fall came is when all the dysfunction between male and female started to happen is after the fall. 
in Genesis 3 is where all the dysfunction happened. But you can see the first mention of Adam and Eve, God's initial and eternal plan for the sexes together is for them to operate as a team, both equally valued, both using their strengths together. Amen? And then we value that here at Alive, both the, the voice of the man and the female helping lead and disciple and grow and be used by God. Amen? Woo! So we're created things. We're created beings. And us having an awareness of this is critical to having a flourishing relationship with God. And we see over and over throughout Scripture, God reminding his people lovingly about the fact that he is the creator and we are the created ones. We see in the book of Isaiah, God telling Isaiah and the people of Isaiah's time in Isaiah 44, 24, it says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. God says, I am the Lord who makes all things. I'm the one who stretches out heavens alone. No one helped me do that. I'm the one who spread abroad the earth all by myself. Y'all didn't help me make the earth. I did that all by myself. With no point of reference. I love the lyric in the song. We, with no point of reference, God created it all. He goes on in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 12. God says, and who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who has measured the heavens with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure? Jason, will you want to come on up? Who has weighed the mountains in scales in the hills in a balance? God is saying, I am your maker. Then we see in the book of Job, this dialogue between Job and his friends and Job with God. And towards the end of the book of Job, in Job 38, this is so powerful, goes on the whole chapter of Job 38. It's God declaring in detail what it means that he is our maker. Verse 4, God says to Job, and he's saying it to us this morning, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Have you commanded the morning since the days began? And have you caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths? No, we haven't. He goes on to tell Job in Job 39, verse 1 and then 19, God says, do you know the time when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer gives birth? Have you given the horse its strength? Does the hawk fly by your wisdom? God is saying, I am your maker. Then we see David reflecting on this in the appropriate response. In Psalm 8, 3 through 8, um, King David pens the psalm. He says, when I consider your heavens, God, and the works of your fingers, the fact that I'm not the one that told the, the sun when to rise, I'm not the one that gives the hawks their wisdom. When I consider you are my maker, when I consider the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And son of man that you would visit him? You have made him humankind lower than the angels. 
You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet. Who am I, God, that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you would think of me, right? David has the right response, a response of awe, a response of gratitude, a response of humility, a response of stewardship and submission. Like, God, you're the maker of all of this. And you care about me? You give me voice and freedom and blessing? You listen when I pray and you're busy making sure that the deer are having their babies when they need to have their babies? Who am I that you are mindful of me? My life is not my own. So when we have this awareness of, man, I am a created being, what is my response? How should that change everything? And I truly believe this morning, as we've been looking at the word together, the Holy Spirit has already been talking to you about what that means for you specifically. We all have adjustments that we can make to say, God, wow, if I really lived in the way of this truth, that you are my creator and I am the created one, things would change. Things need to change. Man, my life's not my own. I am the canvas, not the painter. So many times we can live like we don't have a maker. I don't know about you, but anytime I get something new, a new piece of technology or a new piece of furniture, I'm the type of person that goes to try to do it before I look at the directions. Anybody else there? Eric's better than me. He's always like, pull out the directions. Oh, no, we'll just turn it on and press a couple buttons. Oh, I'll grab this and I'll grab that. And I'm sure the screws go in here somewhere. But I always end up getting back to the instruction manual. Because the creator of whatever this thing was knows how it works best, right? So many times in life we can be like, oh yeah, I got this, God, I know, I, I know. And we go and we try to do it our own way, and then if we're wise, we get back to the creator, to the word. God left us the instruction manual of the word of God. Not to steal, not to be a killjoy, not to steal the fun, but because he wants us flourishing. He wants us operating at max capacity. His heart towards us is to bless us. And so he's saying, hey, I made you. I know how you work and how you flourish best. So I'm going to give you this word to lead you and guide you. And you have the opportunity to, to read the instruction manual or not. And so, so many, oftentimes we can say, but God, why? Like, why do I have to live this way? Why the whole gender thing, and why do you have these rules about purity, and why the whole thing about the tithe, and why this, and why that, and I don't want to do it that way. When we realize that we are the created ones, it changes the perspective. And when we know that God's heart towards us is to bless us, then we can trust his goodness. Say, God, I'm going to recognize that I am not the creator. I am the created one. Amen. Jeremiah reflects in Jeremiah 10, 23 through 24. He says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. I hope this morning we have a greater awareness. God, my life is not my own. And I'm not able to plan my course. So correct me, Lord. And Jeremiah says, but please be gentle. This morning, before we close service, I just want a time for us to have some time of reflection. 
I'm just going to ask Jason to kind of be led by the Lord as he sings and some verses from that. So will I. God, if the mountains are bowing before you, I'm going to do that too. So I encourage you just in these next couple moments, would you have some time with the Lord? Would you talk to him? Would you pray? Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to recommit to following him afresh. And I'll come back up to close us out.